The last decade has been the hottest on record. We are facing an environmental crisis that is putting humans, animals, and ecosystems at risk. We're two journalists from opposite sides of the world. Listen as we discuss current climate issues, bring to the front scene interesting people, and offer you information on how to face the crisis the world is facing. You're listening to Four Corners, a podcast about environmental issues. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the ninth episode of Four Corners. My name is Charlotte Glorieux, and I'm a journalist from Montreal, Canada. And my name is Fernanda Gandara. I am a half Guatemalan, half Chilean journalist. So last week, we spoke about vegan and vegetarian diets and their relation to the environment. Yeah, it was a very fun conversation, and I highly recommend that you go back and listen. You'll even find some recipes there, so you might... Uh, get hungry while we were listening. <laughs> Definitely. So this week we wanted to talk about mental health when it comes to the climate crisis. And we thought it was a really important topic to bring to the conversation. And also it should be spoken about more. Yeah, it definitely should. I think on our on our first episode, we quickly talked about our personal experiences with eco-anxiety. And it's something that we believe a lot of us experience nowadays. So it's very important to talk about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, actually, if you want to hear a touching testimony of a guest we spoke to that touches uh, on the subject of climate grief, I highly suggest that you go back to listen to episode five called Hope is melting in the Arctic. Very, very touching testimony that of episode five. But back to today's topic, we have the pleasure of introducing you to our guest, Dr. Susan Clayton. She's a professor of psychology and environmental studies at the College of Worcester in Ohio in the United States. And she co-edited a book called Psychology and Climate Change, Human Perceptions, Impacts and Responses. So to start off, we would like to ask you, what drew you to your profession? I always liked psychology and social psychology ever since I learned that it existed because I was just found really fascinating the idea of thinking about um, what motivates human behavior and, and what is important to people. But as a graduate student, I didn't pay any attention to environmental issues and I didn't know that it had any relevance to psychology. But when I started in my first job, I also cared very much about environmental issues. So I read a lot of environmental um, essays and talked to people about it. And I began to sort of think about two things. One is that, that the environment was very important to people. It was a, a source of value and a source of motivation and even a source of, of self-definition. So that it really had this very powerful psychological perspective, it seemed to me. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also that other issues that I cared about um, that were relevant to psychology, like justice and equity and, and uh, you know, how people are treated, um, maybe people who belong to different groups, that was also very relevant to environmental issues. So um, I just began to recognize that the, the psychological concepts I cared about were Um, very well represented in the environmental issues that I also cared about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And why would you say psychology is important when it comes to talking about climate change or understanding the climate crisis in general? Yeah, I would say three main reasons. One is that um, I think we see when it comes to climate change that there's a lot of disagreement about whether it's even happening or, or what it means if it's happening. So um, we have to understand what it is that makes people perceive something as a risk or not perceive it as a risk. And that's a very psychological topic. Um, a second is, uh, you know, to address these environmental issues and climate change in particular, we, we need to change human behavior. Um, we can't leave human behavior out of the equation. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you think that the fixes will be the development of new technology, we have to get people motivated to develop the technology and people motivated to use the technology. And then the third, which I didn't realize um, at first, but which I've been thinking about more and more over the past 10 years is that climate change has psychological impacts. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a threat to, to mental health and it's going to change our social behavior. So um, there's a real psychological aspect there. Mm -hmm. And maybe to touch a little bit on that, on the psychological effects you've perhaps seen yourself. Um, we know that you teach several classes and how do you feel your students react to the material you present to them? You know, it's, um, I, I wish I knew more of the answer to that question. Um, sometimes I, I try not to probe their feelings um, too much because I don't want to invade their privacy. Um, so I try to stick to the, the information. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, some of them are surprised because they don't, they didn't know these things. Um, so that's one reaction. I think some people's reaction, probably not very many of my students, but some is, oh, you know, this is kind of a, a politically popular topic. And so, Uh, in a sense, they just want to dismiss it because it seems like it's just a political issue and they don't want to think about it. I think that's less true in recent years. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, a third, I think, reaction that's probably becoming stronger and stronger is that people are worried. They worry about the impacts for them and for, for the things that they care about. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed any patterns when it comes to uh, the impacts that climate change has on the mental health of people? Yes, absolutely. There, people have not been collecting information about this for very long because, no, you know, 10 years ago, probably nobody was really thinking about this. But um, the information we have does suggest that younger people are more concerned and more anxious about climate change than older people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why is that, do you think? Um, I think the, probably the, the main reason is that they expect to be more strongly affected. Um, I think, you know, for older people, there's still a sense of, well, this is a problem, but it's going to be in the future and, you know, the worst <laughs> yeah. effects won't happen until after I'm dead. Um, but young people are, are realizing that they are going to be facing these impacts within their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we say young people, is there like a part of those young people who are like particularly vulnerable, let's say? Probably, again, we, we have very little information um, that would sort of allow us to be very specific at this point. But in general, people who are more, who are likely to be more concretely affected, so they can really see the impacts on themselves and on their way of life, mm -hmm. um, are going to be more concerned. And so I would anticipate that, you know, young, young people who are living in less developed 
countries and less developed cultures and maybe less developed areas. So who are more who are in greater contact with, you know, with nature and are more strongly impacted by it. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll notice the personal impact of those changes. Whereas, you know, people who are living in big urban areas might kind of wrongly believe that they're not going to be affected by this stuff. And on that note, we're beginning to hear more about the term eco-anxiety. And it's among young people, we, we hear it more often nowadays. So could you explain maybe to someone who might not grasp uh, what that concept means, uh, what it stands for, and how do people cope with this eco-anxiety? Sure. I think um, I, I want to just specify first that it's not an official diagnosis, so I can't give you a very precise definition. To some extent, it means what people want it to mean when they use it. But I would say in general, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a worry and concern about changing environmental conditions. And, you know, definitely climate change is one of the biggest reasons. So you could call it, you could refer to climate anxiety as well as eco-anxiety. Um, and it has to do with, the, you know, the fear of negative consequences, but I think also the uncertainty So we, we fear things in a different way if we know exactly what's going to happen. But um, climate change is still in this, in this um, kind of arena where we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We know some things are going to increase, but we don't know who will be affected at what time. Mm-hmm. So that uncertainty is, is definitely part of the anxiety as well. In, in terms of coping with it, I think it depends to some extent how anxious you are. So some people really do get overwhelmed with the emotions. And I think at that point, they need to focus on on coping with their emotional responses. And and good ways of doing that, you know, are to sometimes just engage in some deep breathing to try and, and sort of think about the things that the sources of support you have. And that can be social support, it can be even physical support, it might just if you're feeling really anxious, just to remind yourself of, you know, you're, you're standing on the floor and the floor is holding you up. And then going out for a walk and hopefully spending time maybe in a natural setting just to reduce the stress um, is something we should all do from time to time. Mm-hmm. For example, if someone were to feel the effects of like eco-anxiety and like, let's say a walk doesn't work and speaking, uh, I mean, breathing doesn't work. Is the world of psychology ready to talk to people about the effects of climate change and, and like let them cope with it? Um, that's a great question. I think psychology as a discipline is really beginning to think about this and to try and think about how can people be supported as they come to terms with the, the kind of changes that climate change is going to bring. So, you know, there's some kind of mental health advice and therapeutic advice that's available. And I, I suspect more will be developed. Mm-hmm. I actually would say there are three things that are really useful to do. And one is to get accurate information, because I do think a lot of people who are anxious, it's this sort of diffuse, abstract anxiety. They're worried about climate change, but they can't necessarily pin down exactly what the threats are. So finding out you know, what might happen paradoxically can be reassuring because it's probably not the case, you know, that your community is going to vanish in 20 years. You know, you might have this very apocalyptic kind of sense and the effects might not be as bad as you expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also to find other people to connect with because I because social support is so important. And when it comes to climate change, um, you know, we might not feel support 
supported. Like some people might make fun of you for worrying about it or, or dismiss your concerns. So finding other people who are concerned can just make you feel like your worries are reasonable. And that's, that's reassuring. And also you can talk to those other people about what can be done to address the issue. Mm-hmm. And we often see the, the physical and humanitarian impacts and effects of the climate crisis. But do you think people, like in general, the public is aware of the psychological effects that the climate crisis also brings? I don't think so. I think not at a very high level yet. There's more and more discussion about it. And I think particularly with regard to children, people, you know, parents are worried about their children's mental health. And it's possibly the case that I think COVID has drawn attention to the ways in which mental health can be threatened by these changing environmental conditions. You know, so COVID is obviously um, more dramatic than climate change at this point, but it was a similar kind of threat in some ways. And so thinking about the mental health responses to COVID, I think has alerted people to the fact that there might be some of those impacts in response to climate change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's really interesting you know, to see that the current crisis might perhaps like help put mental health at the, in the front scene and then like, you know, I'm hoping that, um, I mean, so many people have been, you know, struggling with mental health issues for very good reasons in the past year. Um, so it just, it makes us recognize that it's not an individual weakness um, that, you know, can necessarily cause this problem. It, it's a rational response to the conditions you're facing and that society needs to provide resources to help people cope, you know, with their mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And now if we go back to the effects of climate change and talk about specifics, a person experiencing a natural disaster, for example, a flood destroyed their house and they lost all their belongings. What would you say are some of the psychological effects of an event like that? Yeah, and and that that has been studied a fair amount. First, I just want to say that most people are okay. So it's not the case that everybody who, you know, experiences a terrible event like that will automatically develop a a mental health problem because in fact we're we're very resilient as a species mm-hmm. and you know most people will recover nevertheless um it's quite common for people to develop a problem like um a general anxiety disorder or um post traumatic stress disorder is um often common or depression some people might start abusing drugs or alcohol in uh, in the aftermath of the event mm-hmm. and just to maybe get like a bit better picture Is it common for people to have like long lasting effects on their mental health when they live through like such a traumatic event as a flood destroying their house? Yeah, it can vary, of course, a huge amount. Um, and it depends on things like what what other sources of stress do you have in your life and what s- sources of support do you have in your life? But I would say, you know, certainly, so it's, it's not the majority of people, as I said, but it, it's not infrequent either. I would say anywhere between like 10 to 40% of people might develop at least um, in the short term, um, some kind of anxiety or depression. And for some people, it definitely lasts, it has the potential to last for, you know, months or even years. Mm-hmm. In a previous episode on this podcast, we talked about how women are disproportionately affected by the effects of climate change, because they are more exposed and more vulnerable to them. Uh, is there any information on how, on a mental health level, the climate crisis is also affecting women more than men, perhaps? Or is it similar for both genders? I would say we, we need more data. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I think at this point, not evidence of a strong gender difference and anxiety. I suspect, though, that it will affect men and women potentially um, in different aspects, you know, so... 
men are more likely to be um, for the first responders in cases of emergency. So um, they're experiencing those mm -hmm. problems. And um, also they often are the see themselves as primarily responsible for the family for the for the family's economic status so if their occupation is threatened that's going to be a threat to their mental health whereas women are more um, traditionally inclined to look after other people and care about health and some research suggests have slightly higher levels of environmental concern so um, you know they may experience more of the just general worry and concern about the future for for themselves and other people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd like to talk now a little bit about how humans perceive climate change. Um, so the news is pretty much saturated with information about like various uh, catastrophic events happening around the world due to climate change, like the glaciers melting, the species disappearing. But how does that type of coverage affect our mental health. Well, it, it's interesting. I mean, I think even five years ago, there was so much less media attention. So this has changed a lot in recent years. It used to be, you know, there'd be a hurricane or a wildfire and the media would say, well, maybe it's due to climate change, but some people think it's not. And now the media tend to say, yep, this is climate change. Mm -hmm. So I think there's Mm -hmm. They're bringing far more attention to the issue. And that attention is, you know, definitely uh, making people more anxious. So it's kind of ironic that if you if you pay no attention to climate change, you are protected from that particular source of anxiety to some extent. I think, yeah. you know, climate change is is very hard for many people, or certainly in the past has been very hard for many people to think about because it, it felt abstract, it felt far away, you know, it's going to affect polar bears, and it's going to affect people who live a long way away and who are in the future. And so most people didn't feel personally threatened. But now we do feel personally threatened. You know, so many people have experienced major storms or um, especially the, the wildfires that we've seen recently in places like Australia and California and Portugal. Most of us are lucky enough not to live through those, but um, it's coming closer. So we may have friends or family members that are coping with them. It, it just seems more present. So I think that that media coverage of those events is definitely increasing concern and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, what would you think is the right kind of approach journalists should take when informing about natural catastrophes? I guess I would say the responsibility of the journalists is primarily to report information. That doesn't mean they should, shouldn't be thinking about people's mental health, but it's not, that's not their primary responsibility. So I wouldn't sort of sugarcoat things. But on the other hand, what they can do is not make things scarier than they are, which they sometimes do have a tendency to do. Mm -hmm. And they can also tell people how to protect themselves. And that's a, a good a good use or a good role for the media to say, well, if you live in an area that's subject to wildfires, here are some things you can do to prepare. I think that would be very useful information and help not only help people actually be prepared, but help them feel better about, you know, being prepared. Mm -hmm. In a previous episode, we mentioned how small actions can have a big impact. And I myself, uh, I, I just recently changed my diet to eat less meat. And even though it's, it's, you know, it's a small action that I'm taking, I immediately noticed kind of a shift in my perception of my individual power in regards to what I can do to fight climate change. But why is that, do you think? Like, what's the psychological explanation to that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the scary things about climate change is that it does seem so like it's this 
huge, massive global threat, and we feel like there's nothing we can do as individuals. We feel very helpless, and nobody likes to feel helpless, um, you know, when it comes to anything. So finding something we can do just helps us see ourselves. It shifts our perception of ourselves from someone who's just the the victim of circumstances to somebody who can play an active role in resisting. And I think that change in your own self perception is very important. And it's also, I think very correct to think that we do, we aren't just passive, we do have things that we can do to to try and address the problem. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we want to thank you for your time. We really learned a lot. It was very interesting. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for inviting me. This was really interesting. Thank you for listening. This was Charlotte and Fernanda. We're two journalists from opposite sides of the world discussing current climate issues. Tune in for the next episode of Four Corners, where we'll meet with an emerging social media entrepreneur who will talk about the importance of sustainable fashion. In the meantime, make sure to check out our Instagram at Four Corners Project, where we'll be sharing information on the topics we discuss to make it easier and fun for you to get involved in the environmental discussion. New episode every two weeks on Thursdays.